This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 242. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Dr. Danita McCants, and she is the founder and CEO of Dr. Danita's Veterinary Concierge Service in Orlando, Florida. Welcome to the podcast, Danita. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I, I haven't met you before, so I'm I'm thrilled to meet you. I'm excited. I found your your Instagram. I was like, oh, I love this. She does everything that I love to talk about. <laughs> awesome. Well, then we'll have plenty to talk about because we're both on the same page, right? Yes. So I always ask everyone that podcasts with me to tell me their veterinary story. So all the veterinarians, I like to hear how they started. Well, my story is similar to a lot of people in the profession. I wanted to be a vet since I was five. I was a little kid. Awesome. Like most of us, I feel like, um, but you know, I was playing with little birdies and my mom saw me one time, like with little popsicle sticks, trying to help a little bird that was, you know, <laughs> fell out of a tree or something oh, like that's that. Awesome. So, yeah. So I had the cutesy little story where that's, you know, where it sparked and eventually it led into, you know, me enjoying science, of course. Um, going throughout high school and college and my mom's like you don't have to become a vet just because you've always said you wanted to be a vet but I was like no there's there's nothing else I really want to do I like science it's hard but I enjoy it and you know all those things together um, created you know becoming a vet so definitely led me down the path it was always a passion did people like your parents did they encourage you and other people in school did you get encouragement because I find that sometimes veterinarians get discouragement from people as they're growing up because that, you know, it's hard and all that. How do you, how do you feel? No, my mom was always super encouraging. Um, I came from a single parent household. My mom was working hard. She was also an entrepreneur. So I saw her um, and she, you know, told me like, if that's what you really want to do, definitely she put me in all of the right little um, classes or going to help at the shelters, anywhere where I could get more exposure because I was a kid. So she wanted to help me get as much as I could. Back then, there weren't as many resources like there are now for kids, but um, she tried to put me in as much as she could when I was younger and get me exposed. That's awesome to have supportive parents when you're trying, yeah. to, trying to do something big like this. Yes, yeah. yes. So t- how did you get, well, you went, you went to, where did you grow up? What city? So I'm originally from, I call, I say Atlanta because that's where I was raised. I'm from Atlanta, okay. Georgia. Um, yeah. But I was actually born into the military. So military brat. Yes. Yes. I was born at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. We popped around a little bit, um, but we settled in Atlanta. So that's where I call home, where I went to high school and middle school and things like that. Um, so that's where I was raised. So I went to University of Georgia for undergrad since I was in Georgia. Um, and of course, they had a vet school. Everything I did was always strategic. So <laughs> I went to UGA because they had a vet school there and I wanted to get as much exposure. I was very much like super, you know, one track mind. I was like, OK, I got to do this and I have to do that. Um, I think that's everybody in the vet world. We're very like a lot of us, mind. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very driven. 
driven, like see the goal forward. That's that's just kind of all of us. And then I went to Tuskegee for vet school in Alabama. Oh, okay. So it was a little bit of a switch, but not. Uh, no, not too far. I was still pretty close to home, like only two and a half hours. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And so then when you graduated from veterinary school, did you immediately decide to become an entrepreneur or did you work for somebody for a while or how did this, cause you have your own business now. How did that? Right. Go? Right. So I always had the, the, in the back of my head, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I was in vet school, I was in BBMA and I was in the classes and the courses, just trying to keep it there. When I was an undergrad, I did take a couple of business classes because I knew that that was a route I was interested in taking. I just didn't know in what capacity. Um, but yeah, so that was the route I took that way. Um, right out of vet school, I did not have an easy road. Um, I had to go and live with my mom for the first six to eight months when I got out of vet school because I didn't pass my boards. Oh, um, and I was happening yeah. a lot. That it seems like yeah. I hear more and more that there's so many of uh, uh, veterinarians that aren't passing their board on the first try. Right. Yeah. So I didn't pass the first time, and then I took it the second time, and I didn't know that I didn't pass my boards until after I graduated. So then, you know, that definitely had to steer my path a little bit because I did have an internship set up for yeah. Miami because yeah. my first goal was to become a surgeon. Um, so I was like, I know I want surgery and I like business. So I didn't know what route I wanted to take, but I knew I enjoyed surgery too. So I um, had to pivot a little bit. Um, when I, my mom was very supportive again. She was like, you know, just come here, relax. It's okay. You know, it's definitely a humbling time, a humbling experience for me because uh, I did have to right? work. Yeah, yeah, because I had a degree, but I couldn't use it. So I got a job as like a vet tech, vet assistant just while I was studying. And I wanted to figure out why I couldn't pass my board. So I went and got tested and I got tested and I came, I was diagnosed with attention deficit and generalized mm -hmm. anxiety disorder. Wow. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense why <laughs> I always struggled through college. I always thought I was a person that had to overstudy just because that was just something I naturally had to do study long hours, but they were like, no, it's a way to study and what you need to do. Um, so with just a little bit of medical help and um, some medicine and more testing time, I was able to get accommodations and just, you know, I already knew the material. So I just studied a little bit more just to refresh everything. And they just gave me longer breaks. And then after that, I knew they gave it to me breaks where I could take it over two days instead of the whole long six hour test so yeah, ADHD, like just can't so I'm like I didn't realize that I always struggle with standardized testing uh so I knew that the board was going to be a really hard one for me because SAT all of those I just always struggle with that type of testing environment but once I did that switch I I passed my boards like right after that I knew after I left I was like I know I passed like I felt that oh, I passed because about I, it. my stress yeah. level, yeah, my stress levels were not there. I was really calm. The first few times I took it, I was stressed out, and I could just I knew like my anxiety was really high. So just those minor adjustments, more breaks, I passed. So I'm a really big advocate for like if you feel like something's off, like go find out because there could be something that you can do, and you don't have to struggle through undergrad and vet school. You know, you can get the help that you need so that. You don't have to wonder, like, why am I struggling? Why am I not getting A's or B's when I'm working just as hard? There's, there could be something going on. Yeah. So how how did you mentally get the strength 
number one, to handle the disappointment, because, you know, when you have that goals, 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 right, and something bad happens that devastates us, it's hard to lift ourselves back up. So how do you think you had that mental toughness and like, where that was a hard one for me. It really was because I was so used to just getting everything, you know, on the first shot because, you know, I got into vet school on the first try, Mm -hmm. you know, and everything was just, you know, so easy to just get through. I, I worked hard and I studied hard, but getting to those next goals, it wasn't always that difficult. Uh, so I definitely was in a really low place at that time. Um, it took me some time to come out of that, but I just kind of focused on myself. That's where I started to find more self-care at that time because I wasn't doing a lot of that. So I started working out, you know, meditating, taking better care of myself, eating better because uh, I wasn't in vet school anymore. And I had my son who was young at the time. I had him when I was a junior in vet school. So I also had a child oh. <laughs> around this time. I forgot to mention that I do have a son. <laughs> you did that. You did that hard too, right? Like I, yeah, I had, yeah. I so had I, yeah. classmates that were pregnant in vet school, and I was like, "How did? How do you have kids?" And I, that, yeah, yeah, that was a oops, but it was a good oops. But <laughs> it's always happened. it's always a good oops, whether it's planned or not, right? But it but it is a challenge. It was a challenge. So yeah, I had him as a junior, so that put on an extra stress level. that I forgot to mention. So that definitely didn't play an easy part in trying to get done, but I still finished on time, um, even though the board situation was a little rocky, Um, but she helped me. Um, I went and lived with her. She was living in North Carolina at the time. So um, after I passed my boards, that's when I got my first job, which a lot of people don't talk about that either. Don't take the first job. Just don't just take the first job that you get. (laughs) Like actually- Did you take the first offer? Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, somebody wants me, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, and that comes know. from an insecurity, right? Like, you, like you're like you insecure because you went through all this hard stuff and you're like, I just got to get the job now, right? Yeah, but wow. I ended up switching jobs a lot right after that because I wasn't picking good positions. I was just trying to find a good home. And I'm, I think that's becoming more of a conversation as well, like, Really, when you're finding trying to find a position, like really, you know, learn about the company, see if it's a good fit for you, instead of just going like straight for the first job that you have. So, yeah, well, and that takes a certain level of thought and also kind of self-reflection, right? You need to know yeah. what you're looking for. So, how did you do that? You said you went, how many jobs did you go through? I I worked at a private practice, a small private practice, but they only could do part-time. So I, I needed to find a full-time job. So I went from a part-time job to a full-time position, but some of the way they practice medicine wasn't in line with, you know, quality for me. So I was like, right. eh, this is a little weird. So I'm like, this isn't what I was taught. And I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> So yeah, like, you don't want to compromise your, your ethics, right? Right. So there was some unethical stuff. And I was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to stay here. And then I ended up going to corporate, which I understand in corporate for a while. And then, of course, the corporate circle ended up in um, burnout. So, yeah, that's kind of how my how my um, how my transition within um, that space but then I ended up um, moving from North Carolina to Florida. So that's how I ended up in Florida. My mom moved to Tampa and I was like, oh, maybe I'll, you know. And then she was like, you know, my mom, I'm the only child. So her only child, her only grandchild, she's like, you need to come here. So. Yeah, you want to be by grandma <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> so she's like, okay. I was like, okay, we'll come. So we ended up moving to Tampa. Um, I ended up just transferring jobs because it was corporate. So I just transferred. And then eventually I started to get into that burnout cycle. And then I started reflecting on like, okay, my previous goals were like internship, surgery, you know, so I started dipping with that idea again. So I went back um, to reapply for it to become an intern. And I did get an internship in Orlando. So that's how I ended up in Orlando because oh, I transferred okay. and got an internship because I was going to go back to the surgery route because um, I wasn't sure yet on like the business part of things, but I knew surgery was still important to me. So I ended up transferring and well, getting a job as an intern, which was more difficult than I predicted because back in 20, what is it, 2018, 2019, the pay was not what it is now for interns. And I couldn't really survive. It was just, it was barely like $23,000 or something crazy. Ugh. Like I just, and I, <laughs> and I was already working. Enough. I had a car, I had a house. I'm like, I can't. You like, had a, you had a toddler. <laughs> I had a toddler. I'm like, I have to do, take daycare. I'm like, this is not enough money. <laughs> yeah, that's not sustainable. I couldn't, I literally couldn't keep it. And I, I loved it. I'm like, I will, I will do the grunt work. I will do whatever you want me to do. I was enjoying it. I had a great time, but I um, couldn't stay just because I just couldn't afford it. So then I went back into the workforce again, um, trying to, I didn't go right in. I did relief. That's where I kind of found relief. Um, and then I didn't go straight into a practice. I tried to find a place and I ended up back in another private practice. I was originally going to just partner in there because I knew business. I'm like, well, I'm going to go toward the business sector now. So that's where I started learning more about, you know, practice management, what that looks like and learning how things run. And that didn't work out. So I was like, well, I'll just go on my own. And that's when I started thinking about mobile a little bit. Like, well, maybe I could do mobile because I was thinking about the overhead and I was listening to how much it costs for rent where they were. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot. So I was thinking about all the overhead and everything that it costs just to run in a little shopping center. They don't even, they weren't even a, a big facility. It was a shopping right. center. And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's expensive. it's expensive. So I was like, well, maybe mobile could be a good alternative because it's less overhead, a little less stressful. And I started dipping with the idea probably in like 2020 is when I was thinking about it. Uh, but then the pandemic hit and I was like, ah break <laughs> you don't want to go into people's homes because they're all afraid right I just wasn't sure and I was like um and I think a lot of people started doing mobile in 2020 so I probably went I should have just did it because I would have been like doing great like yay you know right, I'm right. Rich. <laughs> but um I didn't I just kind of took a step back because I just wasn't ready yet I just didn't have all my ducks in a row and I just wasn't ready yet um so I just put it on pause and then I came back in August 2021 and then I started out of my car, I just went slower. Instead of just going all the way in with the van or a big truck, I just started out of my vehicle and um, I just got some supplies and I just started doing house calls. I love it. And where'd you come up with the name? I love your name. Concierge. Um, I, I Concierge because I, I was catering to the same clientele that I saw at the same practice that I worked at. And I was staying within that general area. So it's like a middle higher income area, like, you know, country clubs and a lot of those type of people. So yeah, I was like, people okay. that have the money to pay for you to come to their house. Yes. Mm. Yes. So I'm like, well, yes, exactly. So I knew that that was, you know, kind of the, what I was going for, like more that concierge level, high quality, first class, our model is actually first class doorstep pet care. 
So that was kind of the motto we were going with. Um, and it definitely took off because we're not, you know, grossly like super high, but it's still a little bit more of a premium compared to a regular vet because you have to pay the house call. So right. but most well, people say like, you're not you got all the more. gas that you're paying. To mm -hmm. drive, right. What is your, um, yes. what is your, do you have like a boundary? Or I do. You yes. Yes. I have a radius. So I, I currently service, I, I service all of. the Disney people. Yeah. So I service, um, Winter Garden, you probably know about Winter Garden because yeah. you, yeah. yeah so I service like home. Winter Garden, like all the way on the side, like Claremont, and I work my way over to Windermere. Dr. Phillips kind of working my way back that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'll go downtown a little bit, but I've mainly serviced mainly West Orlando. Wow. Yeah. I, I forgot about all the Disney people that must live there and have pets. Oh my gosh. Everyone, I, I haven't been in a house in Winter Garden that doesn't have something. Disney related. Disney related I look around I was like oh they have nothing in here that's Disney and then I see like a dog bowl that is like Mickey ears or something <laughs> and I'm like there it is yeah well that's awesome yeah. so so practically speaking you have a, now you have a van do you have yes. like a technician that travels with you do you have employees yes. just in case yeah. somebody out there's thinking about doing something like this Yes. So originally I started with my fiance. He was my tech with no experience. So <laughs> yeah, I think we've all done that. I used to drag my husband down for emergencies in the middle of the night. Just hold this dog. <laughs> so he was my original tech when we didn't have a lot of money to have a tech, but now we have a technician. Um, I have a virtual receptionist um, and I have a virtual assistant who also helps me with scribing when I'm at homes because she'll be on video and listening. So she'll scribe and she'll help me with emails and um, requests from people and things like that. That sounds great. How do you like being an entrepreneur? I love it. Now that we've kind of got everything figured out, you know, the reason I started the business in the first place was definitely self-care because I was burning out and I was getting exhausted. So I started it because I wanted to have more time for my family um, and my son and, you know, have a little bit more flexibility on when I wanted to work. So definitely the van added on a little bit more uh, overhead, of course, than com just compared to out of my car. But overall, the overhead is still much lower than if I was in a facility. Yeah. And are you doing surgery from the van as well? Yes. Yes. We have a full surgery, uh, full, full surgery suite. Uh, we have a x-ray unit. We also have um, some of Bax's blood machines on there too. That's awesome. That's amazing. So anything else you want to tell me about your business? Because I'm going to change subjects, I think, and I don't want to pull you off. Well, no, that's pretty much it. We, we're we doing good. We're hitting our two-year anniversary in August. Congratulations. So that's cool. It was definitely was scary the first year. We definitely... Had a couple of hurdles for sure, but it's it's been worth it. We're yeah. enjoying it. So tell me about, well, I'm going to stay on the subject, I guess, then. Tell me about the fear, because that's what keeps us from doing a lot of things in life that, oh my gosh, what could happen? Like, how did you deal with yes. that fear of starting out on your own and all of the, you know, the minutia that you have to do to make it legal and, you know, and that's all confusing. So how, yeah. did, how did that go for you mentally? Mentally, I was 
Well, I was more scared when I was thinking about it the first time um, because I was I didn't have as much support because it was just me and my son. I really think a big part of it was um, my fiance at the time. Now, um, my boyfriend became fiance, but he was willing to help me. And, you know, that support, I didn't have a big support. I had my family, but someone right there to help me just a little stuff like just picking up my son or being able to just help in those ways. I think that's what stopped me from going right in the first time, just because I just wasn't sure about, you know, how things were going to go. If you had, um, but no, like, yeah, I had a backup and that, I think that really played a big part in me just going for it because I had, I had support system. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I think that that's definitely true. Everybody needs somebody. You know, yeah. whether, whether it's a fiance or a boyfriend or a parent or somebody to kind of yeah. give you that so, safety net a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That is honestly, that was a big part of it. Um, and I, I'm very much a risk taker. So that, <laughs> that <laughs> plays a part. I'm a risk taker for sure. I mean, I went zip lining when I was pregnant with my son in Nicaragua. So <laughs> yes, I'm definitely a risk taker <laughs> for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I was doing um what was I doing? I was um it was my first time doing spays and neuters because they have the little spay neuter program in Nicaragua. So I was doing that for a summer or spring break. And then you were pregnant and they said, Hey, you want to go zip lining? And you were like, Yes, hey, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, that's that's like an inbred quality in you then that you're driven <laughs> yes. and that you're a risk taker. Yes. And yes. so, so talk to me then. I think the resiliency definitely plays a part because I went through so much. Yes. Um, I'm definitely resilient. So I'm like, I've been through a lot at this point, so I can, you know, I can handle whatever is thrown. So. Yeah. And that's a really good mental state to be in and, and to hang on to that thought that I can handle anything. Yes. Yeah. So tell me about the self-care because everybody out there, I, that's what I talk about a lot, how to take yes. care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, tell me about that for you like what does that mean yes. that's my favorite subject actually I love okay, I love go. talking about ready go yes I love talking about self-care so uh for me self-care it starts with you know one at the end of the day I always tell vets and other people you have to find a way to like release the day because we we go through so much whatever different things are coming and piling on and whatever mean things someone might say to us, uh, we have a tendency to to hold on to a lot of the things that people say or do and whatever it is, because we're empaths. That's just who we are naturally. We're vets. We love animals. We, we're just loving and empathic people. So we, we hold on to a lot of things. And I do too. But I think the part that makes me a little stronger with that part is I, I find a way to release the day you know, whatever it is I'm mad about, I'm, I'm going to vent, I'm going to complain, whatever it is you need to do. But at that moment, you have to just let it go. We can't hold on to everything. And I think the buildup of holding on to every bad thing that happens, every euthanasia, everything that happens to us leads to the mental breaks and the anxiety and the depression and the suicide, all the things that are are plaguing us right now. We just, we hold on to everything and we have to find a way to deal with that and then have an outlet. Having an identity outside of vet med is really, really important. Uh, my identity is is fitness. My secondary life, I am like a part-time bodybuilder. So that is my outside secondary life. Yes. I yeah. need you to train me. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's my secondary life is bodybuilding and fitness. Yeah, so having a, I didn't have an identity outside of vet med. Like a lot of us were like, so, you know, like I said, we're hyper focused on becoming a vet. And then I get out of vet school and I'm like, who am I? I'm a vet. Okay. And that's not, not enough, what? right? It's not enough. Right. <laughs> that's your job. It's not your. Yes. And yes. I forget and I, that. It's so wrapped up in our DNA and our identity. Like that's who I am. Right. I'm like, but that's not who you are. You right. are a vet, but that's yeah, not that's your who job. you are. Exactly. And a lot yeah. of us, we just, we don't have another identity. I'm, I'm entering a pre-vet student right now and she's getting ready to apply to vet school and I was just telling her I'm like what is your identity outside of being coming a vet she was like um I don't have one I'm like you need to figure that out yeah (laughs) Yeah. that is a really that's a really good (laughs) advice because we do get so wrapped up in it I mean when we're kids we have a lot of interest but then when we get on that vet school track we just like hone in and I think too much to our detriment. And then when we graduate, we hone in on getting the job and doing the job and taking care of the patients. And yeah, we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves. And I didn't realize that I'm like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And then I'm in the middle of burnout and I'm like, well, well, what now? Like now, you know, we're, we don't want to do it anymore. We're like leaving the profession. And I think that was a big part of me starting the business too, is like, you know, that was a way for me to to love vet med again, find my enjoyment in it again. Like we have to find a way to enjoy vet vet, vet med and then still enjoy our lives and finding a way to, to balance the two. It's never going to be a perfect balance, but we have to find a way to, to balance it in a way where we're still taking care of ourselves and we are still people. We're not just doctor, whoever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what about the weightlifting? Tell me a little bit about that. That's fascinating. Do you like? Yes. Yes. I did my first competition. I did. Yeah. So I did my first competition um, June of 20. It was right before I started the business. So that's kind of why things got rocky after that. (laughs) So I did my first competition um, June 2021. And then um, I started the business in August. So that's kind of where things kind of um, fell in line there. But I lost 70 pounds for the show. I've never been that small in my entire life, but it's it's definitely grueling. A lot of cardio. By the time I was getting ready to do the show, I was doing like two hours of cardio. You know, food was pretty low, drinking lots and lots of water. It was definitely a really fun experience. It's it's really it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But um I enjoy it. I enjoy lifting weights. It's definitely my way of releasing the day, just going to the gym and just enjoying it and just being there, just having that's your moment. You know, we're parents, we're every, we're all these things for everybody, but we have to give something to ourselves. And it's, I always tell people self-care isn't selfish. It's not selfish to want to have a moment for yourself, whatever it is. If it's just, you know, taking a bubble bath or going to the gym for an hour. I feel like as women and moms, we get guilty because we want to do something for ourselves and, you know, take a minute where we're not doing something for everybody else. Yeah. So how do you balance that with the mom guilt? Oh man. <laughs> he's, he's pretty self- that, right. Like I know how I did it. He's self-sufficient now. He's almost 10. So he's just kind of like an old, old man now, but <laughs> <He's an> old <laughs> soul. <laughs> he doesn't need me anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> at 10. <laughs> He's, he's a young gentleman, huh? Yeah, he doesn't need me anymore. But oh. him and 
him and Joseph are thick as thieves, so that play that helps a lot because they're really close. Um, but when it was just me and him, it wasn't as easy to just um, find the time for myself. My yeah. mom helped a lot for sure. Just having, honestly, having a support system, having people that are there for you is all. It, it really plays a big part. And you the know? thought that you're worth it. Yes, it's important. I think I think sometimes I forget how important that is to making us a strong human and then a strong parent. You know? Exactly. Like I know if I, if I hadn't done all the things I did while my kids were growing up personally, I'd have been a bad mom, even though it meant leaving them at times and, you know, yes. and traveling or going, you know, to the gym. Yeah. I, I definitely felt guilty when I was getting ready for the show because yeah. I was gone a lot when it was getting close. Cause I was always mm -hmm. at the gym. I was doing all this cardio. I was always gone. So I did feel really guilty during that time because I was at the gym so much yeah. during that time. But afterwards I was like, okay, you know, he was, he was fine, but it still bothered me a little bit, you know, yeah. sometimes like, mom, you know, like, well, they complain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't you think on some level though, when you do something that cool, you know, cause that's super cool that you did the yeah. bodybuilding thing and then you went and like showed it off and competed, right? Like that's yeah. a lot of chutzpah and guts. Yeah. So don't you think that demonstrating that to your son, like he'll, he'll, he saw that and he'll remember that he'll be like, my mom's so cool. She did a bodybuilding thing. Like, I think there's yes. something that's really good for kids and seeing their moms achieve. They do. And they, they, and then he started to want to learn how to lift weight. So that was a new thing. Yeah. He was like, I want to learn how to, you know, be yeah. big and strong. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and then you've got something in common that you can do together. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. I love that. So anything else about self-care? Um, That was pretty much it. You know, that that's that's mainly what I what I harp on. Um, I spoke about it at Fetch um, in Charlotte, whenever that was um, back in March. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was what I spoke about. But it was more or less for for business owners specifically yes. that need to make better choices or find other ways to make those adjustments so that they can have self-care, which is um, time management. So it was, it was definitely a lot of time management focus because when I started the business, I didn't have a lot of time. So that's a big question. Like, how do you, how do you say you want self-care, but you're a business owner? There's no way you have time, but um, it's hard, but finding alternatives, like when I told you, you know, about the receptionist and the, the vet, um, the, the vet assistant and the virtual assistant helping me, all of those things helped me as well. So that when I get done and I'm done for the day at five o'clock, I'm, I'm done for the day because we've been working on everything throughout the day versus before when I first started the business, I would come home and now I have admin and now I have emails and now I'm, I'm still working until like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. So yeah. that definitely plays a part of um, time management and finding ways. I use technology a lot. I'm big on using technology, you know, the apps and everything's pretty virtual and all these ways for me to use technology to have better time management is what I, is what I usually like to tell practice owners and other people in the field that are looking to, you know, potentially go this route. So if you find yourself struggling with time management, one of the ideas is to hire it out. Like gets get an assistant and there's plenty yes. of to do that. It's not as expensive as you think. Like I was that was my thing. I was like, I can't afford this, but um the virtual assistant isn't very expensive at all. 
um, to just help you with just even starting there because it's not that expensive. Just starting to help clean out your email. You know, you don't realize how stressed out you get when your emails are not dealt with. <laughs> I, just, I was just doing that this morning when when you contacted me. I was sitting right there going through emails and I hate it. It's like it just mess, it just messes with your head. I'm like, I need it to is. get to these emails. Yeah. yeah. So just just little things like that, just to give you like breather, like, oh, uh, just go through the emails, respond to people. Like just those little bits will just really make a difference with your day. Yeah. So this is kind of in the same realm. And maybe, maybe you've already answered this question, but you struggled with burnout and you overcame it. And now you're doing well in the in your career. What advice do you have for people out there that are feeling really burned out, really stuck in their career? Because those are the people that oftentimes reach out to me for coaching, which I love because I that's my yes. advice. It's like, get somebody to help you figure it out. But what is your advice? Like, what is your burnout? I know one of them is finding something to do, right? Like the weightlifting. I would say rediscovering what you really want to do in vet med or just advocating for yourself with your practice. If you still like, hey, I, I love where I work. It's just how it's going isn't working for me. And I think sometimes we're just scared to ask or say, hey, I need to make an adjustment. Um, I need to change my schedule. Something needs to be done because they don't want to leave. They don't want to lose you. Right now, the workforce is scarce. So you don't realize that you have the leverage right now because they need you to be there. And I know it's really hard, but, you know, we have to make those cuts in the schedule. And I, you know, I'm a person like I, I want to make the money. Obviously it's a business, but I have no problem um, cutting my schedule a little bit, like looking to say like, Hey, financially it's okay for us to take a half day today. It's going to be all right. You know? And I think um, in private practice, you have a little bit more flexibility with that type of, you know, communication because um, they'd rather keep you than lose you. So if you like, hey, I need Mondays off or I need, you know, I need to come in on a half day. We need to have someone, you know, cover the mornings. I think we need to be a little bit more creative yes. in the vet space with our scheduling because we're just so used to the eight to five thirty. It's just, you know, we're it's just really exhausting. And for me, I'm usually done by like three thirty, four o'clock. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, and that's ideal when you have kids, right? Because they're getting out of school, and then you're, then yeah. you're I have, I have uh, several of the veterinarians that I coach. You know that I said, just tell them you need to get out at three, because you yes. want to come with your kids. I'm like, that's doable. Can you start? That's earlier? doable. Could you do weekends more? Like, there's, there's lots of ways to bargain with your bosses to try to get what you want, and I think. Many, many people are afraid that they'll say no. They're afraid. Mm -hmm. And if if they do say no, then you have a different decision to make, right? Do you want to stay or not? But right. I do you think you're correct that most bosses, and because I know I did it for years when my employees would come to me and say, well, I need this day off or I need to get off early this day because I have a class I want to go to or whatever it was. I was yeah. very open to trying to make that work, even though it's hard as an owner to make those adjustments sometimes because you feel right. like, well, if I let this person get off early, then I have to let this person yeah. get off early. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of have to like have the conversation with your team as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you don't ask, then you'll, you'll never know. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> true. And most people aren't going to get fired by asking, no. you know, I think sometimes we're afraid, no. oh, they might fire me. It's like, no, they won't. 
as long as no. you ask it in a kind way and you don't demand. Like if you go in there pounding right. just on the dust demanding. Yeah, like I'm well. fed up. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it's not going to go well. But if you just say, look, I really want to spend more time with my kids. What can we do? Here's my idea. Right. Here's your idea. Yeah. Is there a way to kind of make it work? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's it's been really hard. Like some of my classmates, they're struggling working at practices where there's just not enough staff or then you feel guilty because you want more time, you know, and, but then you can't really give your best to this practice if they've already lost two doctors and now you're getting ready to burn out too. So it's like, what are we going to do? You know, right. we have to either get more doctors and give them less hours so that everybody can, can win. Um, and I think practices will probably do a better job with getting more doctors to stay on staff if they're not like, oh my God, I got to work 40 hours. I think everyone's just really in this like, self-care over job space right now so I think that's making it really hard even for me with trying to get employees it's just it's not that it's a bad thing because I'm I'm definitely all for it but it's we have to make adjustments on on what people want now and how to make that work like it might equal you need a bunch of part-time doctors to make mm-hmm. sure you have enough right. um, and if that means adjustments and you know compensation packages and that's just differences your comp you know if you're a part-time doctor you might not get you know full-time benefits it's just you have to make it work yeah yeah I love that it's so true so I read um in one of your bios somewhere might have been on your website that you have a, a big um belief in giving back to your community Yes. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean for you? I know what it means for me, but what does it mean for you? I've realized lately, I give back in different ways, but I realized lately what brings me the most joy is giving back to children. Mm. I love giving back to kids. Like I've given back to, you know, the homeless community a lot in Orlando. I've given up my time and um, helped one of our um, foundations here, Matthew's Hope, where we did, I did free exams um, and we, yeah, we did free exams and I got one of the companies to help provide me some free vaccines so that I can do vaccines and exams for lower income areas. So I've done that a few times in the community. Nice. Um, but I love, love, love speaking to kids, especially like pre-vet, like that age, like middle school age. Um, I went down, if you know about the vet four day program with the critter fixers, Dr. Hodges. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen them on yeah. TV. I don't, I've never met them in person. I need to have yeah, them on so, podcast. Yeah. So the, yeah, you should get them. They're, they're, they're hilarious. So uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So they, I guess the wettest is funding um, this foundation's program that they're doing called vet four a day. So they're yeah. going, they're doing a tour all over America and different cities where they're going and, you know, showing kids in the community, like between the age 12 to 15 and doing like a vet for a day type of program. So I helped them with the one that they did in Fort Lauderdale at Dr. Jones's hospital, Dr. Stephanie Jones. Um, she has a foundation that helps with, you know, helping the community and children too. So we went, I went down there, I actually drove the van like three hours because I'm like, oh, the children. <laughs> <laughs> The children will get you to do anything, right? Especially when you're a mom. You have a soft spot, for, soft spot for kids when you're a mom, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a drive. Because I think I thought she was closer. And she's like, no, we're in Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, oh, okay. I love it. All right. <laughs> I committed I to it. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yep. So we drove it down three hours to, um, to the event, which was, it actually was really, really nice. 
Um, the kids were super excited. So they did like little stations where they, they saw surgery and they did like little, little um, wet labs and stuff. And I gave them tours of the, of the facility, the little virtual, so they could see like different aspects of vet med and they, you know, could learn. And we all spoke a little bit about our stories and how we started. And I always look at the children, I look at the audience. And then when I look at the kids, they all kind of have that little, you know, that mud face, like kids do like, <laughs> and then, this is boring. <laughs> This is boring. yes. I'm like, okay. And then, so I started talking to them about like my story and, you know, my struggles when I was telling you about ADHD and the things that I struggle with. And I'm like, if you're a kid in that age where you're having a hard time with your grades and then I start, I saw them start to perk up,
how the page started. And I knew, of course, my little entrepreneur brain is always thinking in the background, like eventually if I do start a business, I'll kind of already have like a little bit of a following. Right. So that right. is actually what happened. I um, A lot of my clients that were with me at the private practice, they followed me because they were already following my social media page. Nice. So when I transitioned into the business, they didn't have to go looking too hard because they already knew, they knew where you how to were. find me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was like a way I was like, oh, just in case some people really want to come along, they know to, how to find me. So that was where it started. So we have um, Instagram. We have a Facebook page. Now we have like a TikTok. Um, Twitter's eh, Twitter's hard. <laughs> I don't I don't do a lot yeah, of Twitter. Twitter but... is hard. I post some <laughs> of my blogs on there, but I don't think people go there to read blogs. No, they go not there to really. Fight. They go there to fight about yeah yeah I so I just I don't I don't really do Twitter uh, of course I'm on LinkedIn a lot but now we're the big new thing is YouTube we're starting a YouTube channel we've been trying to start YouTube forever but you know YouTube it's just YouTube it's, it's a little hard. more yeah I have, I have a YouTube, and, well and I have a YouTube channel it's just hard to get people to subscribe to it yeah if it, and everyone wants like quality like YouTube is all about quality videos and yeah you know, high def and stuff. So we, I was like, okay, this requires a little bit more planning and money. So yeah. now we're in a place financially where I hired one of my clients became, I was, he was my client now became his client because he's a videographer. That's so awesome. he, um, he did a couple of like little videos for me and we're like, Hey, and then we started talking a little bit about YouTube. He's like, I can help you with that. I was like, okay. So we're going to start the YouTube channel. Um, we're going to start filming in next month. He's going to follow me a little bit because I had I started it, but I didn't make any good videos. So I just right. didn't post thing on it. Right. Um, so it's going to be, you know, the adventures of, you know, Dr. Need a mobile yeah, bed. That's and he's awesome. Gonna, and yeah, he's, he's going to follow. going to end up on Animal Planet or something. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, just kind of like the vibe of like everyone else, but no one really, there's no mobile, of course, there's nothing mobile at all. Right, right. Um, so that's definitely his own it. lane. It's his own lane. So that'll be definitely something new um, that we haven't really seen in the vet world or on that's YouTube. And stuff. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm excited. His, he has really good quality. So I'm excited about the quality because I know that YouTube is all about quality videos. So he's a videographer. Yeah, <laughs> so he'll get it right for you. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So what have I not asked you that you want either wanted to talk about or that we missed? No, I think, I mean, that's pretty much me. I'm I'm really laid back. I think um, what's, I think what stands us out as a business and just as a company and people were I think we're always really open and inviting and we just you know where you can tell like we're just genuine and we're just trying to help the community I think the biggest for me is that I'm I'm enjoying it out of love and enjoyment and I'm just I'm finding a new way to love that man and I'm not I was like okay yes I'm making money but like I really I'm just doing it because I enjoy it and my clients they know like they were like, please don't leave. Because they, they know I'm just, I'm really laid back. And I'm like, I'm here because I want to. Right. You know, not, and I'm really selective with my clients too. I know that was a big thing for me when I started the practice. I'm like, I was big about vibes and, and good people and no angry people, no yelling. Yeah. You don't want to be anybody's <laughs> home if they're weird, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, none of that weird stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, no. I used to do, I used to do for my practice house calls quite a bit and it's a whole different animal. Like it's mm-hmm. so different when you walk into someone's home and it's personal, it has to be Very good. Personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to have a strong relationship. Yes. So that's the, that's my favorite part. We, it's a lot of relationship building. We happen to take care of your pets, but it's a lot of relationship building. And a lot of people in the vet world, they kind of steer away from that relationship building, but they're starting to realize like you have to. <laughs> that bond, that human animal veterinary bond. That's you so have important. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And when mm-hmm. you do it in a, in the right way, it's so rewarding. Yes. Like some of my best memories are from clients that I've gotten a really good relationship with over the years and then something really good happens or something really bad happens whatever it is it's just that personal you know they're so grateful they're so happy to have you when they need you it's just it's so rewarding and I love that you said love veterinary medicine because that is my goal I want everyone to love it because it's yes you know I'm yes I'm just all about that. So I'm really glad you said that. You and it's hard because there's been so much negativity around vet med right now. We can so fix just, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, that's my mission. Like your mission. We're just, we don't want to hate vet med anymore. We have to find a way to love it in a different way. That's the title <laughs> of my book that's coming out soon. Love, oh. love your veterinary life. That's the title. Because yes. <laughs> I want yes. people to love it. And I'm not saying it's easy. It takes work. No. Right. Right. There are, there's work involved to loving it, but it's so possible. And I just love that you are so passionate about what you're doing and about helping people and offering vet men to the community. Like that's all, it's all amazing stuff. And that's what makes it fun. Yes. Yeah. Cause I can give back and I can say, Hey, we're going to just take half of our schedule today and we're going to give back. And that's, and that's okay. You know, that's not something I could do you know, as an employee or yeah, being an entrepreneur gives you a little bit of power, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap up, tell people where they can find you if they want to know more, Um, they can always, but um, tell them your website and all of that. So if they want to check you out, they can. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to find me, you can definitely follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Ask Dr. Danita, that's A-S-K-D-R-D-O-N-I-T-A. Um, same thing for LinkedIn. If you put that in, you can probably find me across the board on their website. All of it is the same, um, askdrdanita.com or at Gmail, whatever avenue, everything's pretty consistent. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, let me know next time you do any uh, like charity outreach there in Orlando. If okay. it's if it's in the winter when I'm not in Michigan. Winter? Yeah. Okay. Usually I try to do stuff in the winter because it gets really hot. So I will let you know for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd be happy to, <laughs> to volunteer and help you out. That'd be great. Yeah. A lot of fun. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Okay. I really appreciate you. And I loved meeting you and I love talking to you. And maybe we'll do this again if we come up with a subject that we're both passionate about we can get on here again and talk okay it's it's been fun meeting you and getting to know you oh thank you this is dr danita mccants and i just want everyone to go check her out and um all the things she's doing it's it's really fun so i appreciate everyone listening today and have a beautiful week everyone bye danita bye have a good one Bye.